You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Locked On Indians. This is your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. I know we had talked about um, that, or I had talked about that we were going to do some more draft talk today. That is actually probably not going to happen because we have some news to talk about. Some of it is Indians related, but uh, not really in a good way, to be honest. Um, and then StatCast defensive uh, ratings came out today. So I think that you know just kind of changes everything to a degree. And that is what we should talk about, kind of looking position by position at what the Indians defense and how players stacked up. Let's get into the news. Uh, if you remember on yesterday's show, I talked about the fact that Robinson Chirinos would probably sign in the next day or two. What I meant was uh, immediately after the podcast ended, which is a tradition for this podcast, his signing with the uh, the Texas Rangers did get for the Rangers. He is a solid defender, solid hitter. About the most negative thing you can say for him is he's old. Uh, that That's kind of the knock. The price tag for him was uh, really cheap relative to what he's done. And uh, the only other thing I could think is, you know, he's like average at both, not really great at either. He is older, so you worry about breaking down at the position. And that's the only reason I could really see for him uh, going for what was a fairly cheap price. Uh, today, I don't know if anyone saw on Twitter, I kind of released my best of who's left. And I was going to do five relief pitchers and four. Uh, five starters, but I ran out of character space, so I only did two relievers, but uh, with Chirinos' signing, it got really ugly really quickly. Um, the best catcher left was Matt Wieters. Um, it was like I was looking at him, Wellington Castillo, and Russell Martin, so yeah, that was um, that was extremely ugly, a catcher with him out, so it was he was literally the last guy left that you had any faith in. Uh, for the rest of that team, if you're curious... Todd Frazier, I put at first base. He played some of it a year ago. Um, a lot of the first basemen have kind of gone. It's not a, it's not quite as deep as we've seen recently. Uh, second base, Brock Holt. Shortstop, another completely dead area. I went with Adeni Hechevarria. Uh, he was about as good as it got. And he is as good as it got. Uh, I'm trying to think of the one other player I looked at there. Donaldson at third. Castellanos in left. Azuna in center. Yasel Puig. And right, Hunter Pence at DH. Now, originally, I thought I would have Maven in that outfield. I would put Castellanos at DH, but I just didn't have the space for him or Gordon. Starting pitching. This is another one where it gets exceptionally, exceptionally ugly. Uh, Alex Wood, Ivan Nova, Tejan Walker, Jules Chasen, and Drew Smiley. New relievers are Pedro Stroop and Brandon Kinsler. The third guy who would have been there reliever-wise, Hector Rondon, agreed to terms today with the... Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. They have been uh, solidifying their pen recently. And they had some solid pieces to begin with, with Bradley and and Chafin. And I'm trying to think who I talked about recently with them adding. I know they had a junior Guerrera after he was let go by Milwaukee. But they gave Rondon uh, $4 million. Another reliever goes off the market. That is a group that is starting to get pretty ugly at this point. Um, if you're following along at home, now I keep mentioning the MLB trade rumors, top 50, and people are like, well... Why do you stick with them? Uh, well, there's two pretty simple reasons. One, they're not behind a paywall. So that means if I mention this list, anyone out there who's listening can go out and find it. And I think that is beneficial. And two, it goes 50 deep. Like MLB had a list that was 20 deep, I want to say. So it's it had depth and it had easy accessibility. So I keep referencing that one because anyone can go look at it. I think that's just really important. Um, I also 
think paywalls are very important. Um, technically, there is one over on Scouting Baseball. I just never employ it because I don't have enough subscriptions to make it worthwhile. Like a subscription is very much a thank you. Um, I appreciate anyone who subscribes, but you subscribe to me and then you have the advantage of like reading everything on site. Um, because uh, at peak, I'm making as much from ads as I do from subscriptions. And that's why I don't put things behind paywalls. It's just uh, monetarily, it's not my best business strategy. But for others, I absolutely understand it. So I'm not going to crap on anyone for a paywall. Papers were a paywall. You know, growing up, we got a newspaper. We had to pay for it. I don't think that's unreasonable to ask for people to do that. Uh, but in this case, I, you know, if the content's good, why not take advantage of one that's free? So that is with the signing of Torinos. There's now just nine guys left from their top 50. So that means 41 out of 50 gone. Now, I think you could make some real cases that some of those guys on the back end, Smiley, Nova, um, these guys weren't good. Like, I would have put Todd Frazier in over either of them. I would have probably put Kinsler with the, uh, as well as he closed the year in over them. And there's a few other guys I probably would have favored uh, over Stroop, Smiley, and um, Nova, those last three. I think those last three really are so borderline to begin with. The one can make a case that there's just six uh, value free agents left at this point, And it's going to be supremely interesting to see where those guys land, but we're in a holding pattern. So we will keep holding, keep waiting. Uh, this is again, the reminder that the Cleveland Indians need to do something. Uh, <laughs> there's guys out there that can make them better. Um, and I mentioned there is Cleveland Indians news, but it's kind of crappy news. The Tigers uh, acquired Eric Haas today. Uh, I've been every day checking to see if someone claimed him. Uh, he was designated by Cleveland. I thought someone would because he's a catcher with power potential and he calls an all right game. Like, there's a lot worse things you can do than Eric Haas at catcher. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of awful. But, yeah, the, he get, the Indians trade him for cash considerations. That's pretty much the Tigers must have. The Indians worked out a trade. You know, when you designate someone for assignment, you've got like seven days to work out a trade or pass them through waivers and lose them for nothing. They got something. Who knows how much it is? But again, you know, it, it looks bad. Let's, you know, even if it's a small amount like that they got, that it's almost like no value at all. It looks bad. It, you know, they're selling off um, a position they don't have depth at. And I understand, again, getting money is better than getting nothing. So that's smart, but it's just with the current climate, with the way this front office is is uh, been handcuffed by man by ownership, it just it looks bad when you uh, the when we look at this Cleveland Indians team and we see them making no effort in free agency, and then trading with Corey Kluber and Corey Kluber isn't Corey Kluber that he was, but still you trade him what looks like a salary or um you know pretty much just to get rid of his money to a lot of people you know i think you're undervaluing class a but the indians made that trade and they traded cory kluber for a young reliever and a an outfielder who can't hit his weight they had to know it was going to look bad like they were in a roll with that punch cesar hernandez was a perfect ad for them that was a good move not great because he was coming off his worst season of his career but it's still a good move and the next move they make after that is designating Eric Haas for assignment and then trading him for cash. It just, it's not, not how you want to roll things. So let's jump over to the StatCast metrics and let's start at first base for this. I think it's really interesting. There are 40 guys they have listed at first base. The worst, Pete Alonso. 
uh, second worst, Eric Hosmer. Uh, Josh Bell is in that bottom five who I talked about uh, being probably best served as a DH only. Jose Abreu, uh, Anthony Rizzo, kind of round that rounds out your bottom grouping at first baseman. Uh, Carlos Santana is 27. He was uh, not good, let's be honest. You know, time is catching up to him. There was a point a few years ago where he was a good defensive first baseman. Um, he's he's not, uh, but he's not terrible, but he's just, he's passable. It's interesting that Edwin Encarnacion ranked higher at uh, 16th. You know, he didn't have as many opportunities, let's be honest, but one can make a case with um, the Chicago White Sox adding Encarnacion that maybe they should just go ahead and make him the first baseman and Abreu the DH. In terms of qualified second baseman, we have a grand total of 38 players in this. Keston Huara is the worst in this advanced metrics, followed by tied with Jonathan Villar, which is an interesting one because a lot of metrics liked him. But they're saying, and you wonder if you know teams had knowledge of this, and this is part of the reason he was there. Uh, Brian Dozier, a free agent who yet to find a home, he's next, tied with Kipnis for second worst. Uh, also, another free agent still trying to find a home. Brandon Lowe, uh, you keep going up. Whit Merrifield near the bottom, tied with Clyde Torres. Now that's it's it, along with Ozzy, you know, Albies. These are some guys that kind of have a reputation for being better defenders. Ryan McMahon in that range, which is interesting because I mean he's not really a second baseman by trade, so I think that's actually a positive. Altuve with a negative score. Max Muncy with a negative score. So we're still moving up. Uh, D. Gordon at a plus one. I know somewhere the. Uh, the Seattle Mariners are like, okay, we got something we can work with. Yomar Sanchez, only a, a two. Uh, surprising for kind of how he has been judged in terms of his defensive ability and something that's not going to help him as a free agent. And then this is what's interesting. In a tie for eighth place, you have Eric Sogard, who signed Ruffin Ordur, Brock Holt, Cesar Hernandez, and uh, Hanser Alberto. So two of the basically the two free agent second baseman and what's interesting with Hernandez is they have a little like visual key here and he is good up the middle and to the right if I'm reading this correctly not as strong and he's much he's much better defensively against a right-handed batter than a left-handed batter like he is a uh, he's a plus six against righties and a neg two against lefties and that just may be the way they shade the way they uh do some of the the defensive uh, shifts so, but yeah, interesting that because uh, a lot of guys, it's pretty even all around, but to have him kind of have some dramatically different scores is interesting. But still, uh, you're going from a guy in Kipnis who was a negative six in terms of his uh, OAA stands for oh, I'm, uh, outs above average. So going from a guy who's a negative six to a guy who's a four, a 10, 10 out above average increase is, is pretty significant. I mean, the best guys... In baseball, Adam Frazier, that shouldn't be a surprise. He won the gold glove. Colton Wong at two. Uh, Frazier alone was worth 11. So they're going, the improvement is that big. Um, I know some people love Kevin Biggio. He would be uh, a fantastic target. He had the uh, fourth best star score. Interesting, Starlin Castro, who was just signed relatively cheaply. Uh, third best score, Jonathan Shoup, who the Tigers also got cheaply. Fifth best. So, but when you say that, it's like Shoup is one run better than Hernandez, and I would rather take Hernandez's offensive profile. But still, um, this is just kind of like their basic overall adjusted one. I won't get into 
you know, the in, the lateral towards third, lateral towards first, moving backwards, success rate. There's a lot of really interesting stuff if we dive deeper, if we had time for such things. Third base, uh, is it a surprise? I don't think it should be who the top two are by a significant margin. Nolan Arenado and Matt Chapman. I mean, uh, a 17 for Arenado is one of the best in all of baseball in terms of just how many runs he saves. And he just, he absolutely demolishes right-handed hitters. He has this large, deep red to the first base side. Uh, you know, he is just able to get that ball to first, and he is basically taking away a lot of singles per year. He is um, just a special talent. Donaldson, third best. Now, a lot of people were hoping that maybe the Indians could go out and get David Fletcher. Fletcher was fifth uh, with six runs, tied with Drury and Matt Carpenter. Justin Turner, who... You know, a lot of people were down on his defensive metrics across the board. Ninth with uh, four runs. That tied him with uh, Bregman and just Bregman. Estrubal Cabrera, former Indian at 13th. Hansner uh, Alberto, who played some third this year, is also there in value. Kyle Seeger. Um, I'm going to be curious to see what happens with Kyle Seeger. Just because when the chairs stop, he's going to be an interesting third baseman who's available who had a nice rebound this year. So... He's there. Uh, we have to keep going. So this is kind of a fun stretch, honestly. Uh, Candelario is tied with Chris Bryant and Brian Anderson. And then Travis Shaw and Eugenio Suarez are worth one run above average. And Hunter Dozier, Jose Ramirez, and Gio Urshela are all tied for 23rd at a zero, uh, bringing no positive. Uh, and Ramirez is just... As, like he's just he's average he doesn't bring any outs above average he is a average third baseman by just about every measure it, it's he has a zero he has a a zero against righties a zero against lefties um success rate added is zero his uh backwards is a zero his moving in is let me i want to make sure i have this right because i have to scroll up and down to look at it so um, is a one, but his lateral to first and lateral to third are both negative ones. He's a he's a straight zero. Uh, then you get into the the super colds, Mike Moustakis, which he's a negative two at third. That makes you concerned about what he'll be at second base for the Reds this year. Miguel Sano, who uh, the Twins have been really trying to move away from. Manny Machado, a neg five, um, really bad going back, and. If you wanted the anti-Nolan Arenado, like this might be the worst defensive score I saw on this. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., a negative 10 going backwards. He's worth negative 16 outs above average. Uh, it's not good in any direction. He is just, it's ugly. Uh, so that'll be something to look at. Mikel uh, Franco, who the Phillies let go, at the second worst negative seven tied with Colin Moran. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it, so far the Indians are average-ish across the board on their infield. There's there's a lot of worse things one could be than averages across the board. So let's move to shortstop. And this might come as a little bit of a surprise uh, to people out there, but uh, Frankie Lindor is seventh. Now he had an 11. Uh, his one area is going back. Um, moving in is good. He's really good on the lateral to first. That's his best. And most of his highest grading is there. He's actually not so great at the second base area when I look at this. That's a neg two value, and that is his moving backwards. That's his only negative value. You do worry with someone like him. Not worry. You can make a strong case that he's never fully healthy this year, though. 
Like, that's honestly what I look at. I look at these numbers, I'm like, man, he was seventh. He missed a lot of time. He wasn't fully healthy. Um, he was tied with Freddie Galvis. Now what's humorous to me about this is one ahead of him is Jose Iglesias, last year's Cincinnati shortstop. One behind him is Freddie Galvis, this year's Cincinnati shortstop. Or tied with him is Freddie Galvis, actually, this year's shortstop. Uh, just other fun names in here. Carlos Correa being better, and he gets credit for... And, of course, we have to go to the very bottom. The the guys who are pretty terrible at short. Um, Ahmad Rosario was an egg six. Kevin Newman with the Pirates, a neg eight. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., another one of those guys, a neg 12. And his he is not good at coming in. So if you, you know, this is what this information tells you. It's like if the ball is to Tatis and you're at third, go. Uh, that's a real issue for him. Didi Garius, also a neg 12 there and a negative 13 overall. Very similar. And then twin shortstop Jorge Polanco, negative 16. Um, the best score is a zero when it comes to um, going back. He is right-handed hitters. He is really bad against. His negative outs was a negative 14. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, just something to keep in mind where the, the twins are built to slug, but the defense struggles. The Indians have offensive struggles but are not built for slugging uh it, i don't know is, is that the way i want to phrase it that may not be the uh the nicest way to put it and you can choose all the the extra detailed stuff but let's switch over that was infield outs above average now outfield outs above average are just outfielders they don't break this down necessarily by position uh victor robles kevin kiermeyer are the top two lorenzo kane being three is a little bit interesting i thought so was harrison bader at four just because those are guys who don't often get credit um, for their defense as much as they should. Brian Buxton at five. Sixth best defensive outfielder, Delano DeShields, uh, Indians recent get. They continue to go for this all-defensive position, and this is where I start to wonder. It's like, you know, the the Mets went out and got Jake Marzanicki, uh, and he's 14th on the list, and he's a good center fielder, but someone like DeShields is, can do about the same and maybe do the same offensively uh, if nothing else he's a nice guy to have on your bench end of games he runs fast he plays good defense um, maybe you have a pitcher who can hit well you should DH for DeShields instead Keon Broxton who was another guy the Mets traded for and then were unable well not unable to they decided he couldn't make the roster was let go as well now Buxton and Kepler are two of the top twins defenders they're both in the top 20 on this list as we go down, Oscar Mercado was uh, tied for 27th at a plus 5. And then we keep going down. I'm just going to do a, a search for Luplo. I'm not going to... He didn't qualify, okay? So there was no... He didn't make the minimum qualifying opportunities. Taylor Naquin was a 0. Leonis Martin was a 0. Yasiel Puig, a 0. So they were all about league average at it. Um, so, yeah. They have, again, uh, two guys who are above average. Uh, only one of them is a guy who's projected to start all the time. Uh, who are your butchers? Uh, Eddie Rosario, who the Twins have talked about trading uh, many, many times this offseason at a negative 17. He has a pretty big lead over Domingo Santana, who a lot of people are like, the Indians should add. It's like, well, that's the problem. He's essentially a worse version. I've said this before on the podcast of Fran Mel Reyes. Shinju Chu, Tommy Pham. Eloy Jimenez, Dwight Smith Jr., Kyle Schwarber. 
uh, and then Andrew Benintendi. Kind of round out those guys with a negative 10 or worse score at the bottom of the list. So, yeah, just some, some names to keep in mind. Michael Brantley, a neg 6, is close to the bottom there. So it, they're definitely, it's almost, we know the Indians have been typically pretty cutting edge with information like this, so it's almost like you can see the direct path of what they've chosen, that um, what they go out of their way to add is but adding defensive value. So another fun one here, outfield directional uh, outs above average. So basically, you know, going back, back right, back left, back all, in left, in, in right, in all, Victor Robles, Kevin Keemeyer, it's the same group. Now Delano DeShields is up here, and what he excels in is going back. He is an eight in going back. Back to his left is a three, but he's, you know, Kevin Kiermaier is back left or back right. He's not, he's just straight back, not so much for him. But uh, DeShields has it all. Coming in, he is into the left. The other two, not so much. So it's, a lot of his value is his ability to basically cut and break backwards. If you're curious about Mercado, he is a uh, much better coming in than going out. He's about average-ish in terms of going out. Most of his value came in his ability to come into the ball. So that's those are the two guys when we look a little more in-depth at that data. A fun one, I think, is outfield or jump, because this is basically reaction time. It's, you know, how quickly can someone move feet versus average, which is, you know, number of feet covered versus the average. There's things like reaction, burst, and, you know, if they're taking good routes or bad routes. Like Mike Trout, on top of everything else, uh, takes the best routes in baseball. Now he has a pretty crappy reaction time and a, an average burst. So his uh, his feet first average is actually a negative score. In spite of the, it's the same thing like Benintendi takes uh, and Kepler. Those guys are all tied for the best route in baseball, but uh, none of them are positive feet first average guys. In spite of that. Now for the Indians, this is where uh, Mercado is actually the highest rated. He had a point two uh, for his over average. Now Sensel was a point one, which is actually a positive, you know, if we keep talking about Senzel and possible trades that he did have that. Luplo qualified here. Uh, negative value, Naquin, negative value, Fran Mill, negative value. Yasiel Puig's value in terms of uh, feet, this is, I mean, I, when you think of the hulking beast that is Fran Mill versus Puig, that uh, Puig's uh, feet versus average, you know, in terms of like getting to the ball, was lower than um, Fran Mills is, is very interesting, at least for me. And let's see, we got outfielder jump. Should we talk about pop time and framing on catchers? So pop time is how quickly you get out of your pop. Uh, not surprised to see Real Moto and Jake Rogers 1-2 there. Elias Diaz, who's been like cut twice this offseason, is there at 6, and there's a reason why he keeps finding a home. Uh, <laughs> this is kind of awesome. So tied at 196 and tied for 12, you have Martin Maldonado, Weldon Castillo, Roberto Perez, Tony Walters, Jan Gomes. And that's why that's kind of awesome is there's five guys tied with the exact same 1.6 solid pop time and three of them are former Indians. So I, I did uh, strongly appreciate that. But let's catcher framing is much more important than pop time. Uh, and catcher framing, the run, the basically strike rate or runs who's creating the most extra strikes goes Austin Hedges, Ty Flowers, Yasmani Grandel, and then Roberto Perez. 
if you wanted to look at just strike rate, who's got the best percentage, Kevin Plowecki was second, which is, again, where I kind of pull my hair out that they went out. And, you know, Sandy Leone is a 51.9, and his his defense, you know, for his defensive values here are lower than Plowecki's. Yes, he had a bigger thing, a bigger amount of being opportunities. And looking at this data and seeing Russell Martin and what he does, I kind of want to make him the number one catcher left in free agency. But, again, it's just, you know, how you put your money out there. This is kind of maddening to me. Um, but what it tells me, it's like Perez earned his gold glove. Uh, about the only thing... So, at the top of the zone, he's not as good. Like, when you look at this data here, he is not as good at the top of the zone. What he's really good, though, and where he makes money for himself and his pitchers are on the sides. He, he makes a lot of borderline calls on the sides, um, strikes. So... Roberto Perez is a, a treasure. Uh, there's so many teams who need stuff like that right now, and the Indians are very lucky to have him. Uh, I mean, we're going to probably... Tomorrow we'll do some more draft stuff, but I just want to kind of go through these leaderboards we're going to have fun with probably over the next week and a half or so. Hitting, exit velocity and barrels, expected statistics, rolling windows, pitching... Exit velocity and barrels, expected statistics, pitch arsenals, pitch movement, active spin. Uh, we only went into like the real outside stuff on the fielders. Running, sprint speed, 90-foot running splits, positioning, fielder situational, fielder all, team positioning, batter positioning, pitcher positioning. So, yeah, I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. We're going to be spending a lot of time over on Baseball Savant, all this information. And what's kind of crazy is, so let's say we go back to infield, outs above average. Uh, Alex Hooper, who writes over on the uh, Indians SI blog with like an all-star team with Matt uh, Lo, Le, I'm gonna butcher his name, Lode, he's an, and uh, TJ Zupe. Like it's it's a really good grouping, and he had he mentioned this on Twitter, and I hadn't even realized. Like you can go back to all the way to 2017. So if I go back to 2017 and I want to say I just want to look at first baseman, and I open that up, and the number two best defensive. First baseman that year behind Brandon Belt was Carlos Santana. Now, he lost the... He wasn't even really considered for the uh, the gold glove. Your gold glove winner was Eric Hosmer, who was 23rd with a negative one value, which just kind of goes to show how much reputation counts more than actual eye test and performance. So that's, a, again, shout-out to Alex Hooper for pointing that one out. I wouldn't have thought to go check that out. So I hope everyone enjoyed the show today, had some fun with this. I think the takeaway is the Indians are building for defense. Um, first and foremost, they are building this squad for defense. We'll see how it works. Um, it does make me wonder uh, what will you, you know what they're going to do when they inevitably lose Lindor, how they're going to fill that. Um, I guess we could take a guess right now if we just want to go. Let's see who the top defensive shortstops were and go find who's the cheapest. Like, honestly, Jose Iglesias would have been the guy just based on what we've seen. So, outs above average at shortstop, Javier Baez won. Uh, Andrelton Simmons, Nick Ahmed, Trevor Story, Paul DeJong. Maybe they go out of the way to get Nico Goodrum, who the, uh, the Tigers, I believe, let go. I don't even think he has a team right now. I could be wrong in that. But who was 10th at a six? Uh, <coughs> apologize for that but yeah he uh, and that's the fun thing like you can click on someone's name here and it shows like attempts per spot it shows field locations success rate estimated success rate 
all second base, all shortstop, all first. Um, you know, because this is someone who played all over. So it's, there's there's so many interesting things to look at. I really, really recommend this. I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, another super long one. So um, either I apologize or you're welcome. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Tribe. <laughs>